Life Point Church, how's everybody doing today? Come on. Hey, what a great day to be in church today. My name is Jordan, and my wife Erin and I, we serve here at Life Point as our Austin P campus pastors, as well as our young adult pastors. And I'm so glad to be with all of you today. I want to say a, a huge welcome to everybody that's joining us. If it's your first time with us, we want to say a big welcome to you. Also want to welcome everybody on our online campus as well as everybody that's joining us at our Austin P State University campus. Come on, LifePoint. Can we welcome our whole church family? Hey, I want to say thank you, uh, like we do every week, for being such a generous church. You're giving. Um, as many of you know, we, we talk about or we, we try to do our best to talk um, as much as we can about how your giving is, is making a huge difference in a variety of different ways. But I wanted to highlight one specific area today where your giving is making a massive difference. Is we all know uh, there is a war that is continuing to happen in Ukraine, and it's affecting a lot of people's lives um, in various different parts of Ukraine in many different ways. Um, one area in particular um, is that uh, it's very difficult right now for people in certain areas of Ukraine to get food. Um, there's actually a stat right now that says one in three Ukrainian families are uh, food insecure right now. But we partner with an organization, as many of you know, and we've talked about um, here before, and, and Hal Donaldson has, has spoken here, just spoke here not that long ago. Uh, we partner with an, an organization called Convoy of Hope, and um, Convoy of Hope right now um, is um, working hard and risking their lives and, and uh, trying to get food into, not trying to, they are, they're getting food uh, to people in these areas of Ukraine that um, don't have access to the right amount of food. And so we thank God uh, today for an organization like Convoy of Hope who is risking their lives to help those in need during such a tragic time. And I just wanna thank you again uh, for giving a portion of your giving goes towards um, uh, Convoy of Hope and the different initiatives that Convoy of Hope does, and in particular this initiative that they're doing to get uh, people help during this time. So I want to say, however you give, thank you so much for your giving. And let's, as a church, let's please continue to pray, pray, pray uh, for everything that's happening um, over in Ukraine. I know uh, we're affected in a lot of different ways because of our we're a military community, but um, I feel like sometimes. Um, Stuff that's out of sight can sometimes be out of mind, but please, as you are praying, as you're praying, please continue to remember um, Ukraine and all that's happening. The Bible says that God is able to cause wars to cease, to come to a stop. And so we're believing that God is gonna do what only he can do in this situation, that God would work in the heart of man uh, to transform and change their life in Jesus' name, that this war would come to an end in Jesus' name. Hey, I'm very excited for today. Uh, we are kicking off our summer series here at LifePoint Church. Y'all, I got my Hawaiian, kind of a little Hawaiian looking shirt on today, which if you know me at all, is very outside of my comfort zone. I have like three colors in my wardrobe, white, black, gray, earth, that's it. That's just all I wear. So I just, that's, that's just, it's, it makes it easy when you're trying to find something to wear for the day. You just don't have to, I got like, anyways. So Pastor Elmer convinced me, talked me into wearing kind of a Hawaiian looking shirt. So praise God, it's awesome. But we're taking, our, we're taking a break from the Book of Acts series for the next couple of weeks, and we're going to be focusing our attention on a, on a collection of different talks that I'm really excited about and I believe will really be an encouragement uh, for you. If you have your Bibles with you today, or if you have your phone, if your Bible glows, that's okay too. You know, you can just, whatever. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. I've titled the message today, Spill the Salt, 
and shine the light. Spill the salt and shine the light. Now, some of y'all are thinking, why am I spilling salt's bad luck? I ain't talking about that today, okay? I'm not talking about bad luck spilling salt. We're gonna talk about a different kind of spilling salt. We're gonna be looking today at a famous portion of scripture that's found in the gospel of Matthew. And I'm gonna pray before we jump into the message today. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that your word is alive and active, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And God, in a world today that is chaotic, that's confusing, that is all over the place, God, we look to your word during times like this, God, and, and we look to your word for hope, for truth. God, we stand upon the truth of your word, God. And I pray today that your word would come alive to us, that it would transform us, that, we, that it would change us, God. I pray that we would not just be hearers of your word, God, but I pray that we would be doers of your word, God. I pray that when we leave this place, God, I pray that we would live out your word, God, in our everyday lives. And Lord, we are, we are asking and praying and believing you, God, that you would bring cool weather to Clarksville, Tennessee. Lord, bring fall. Matter of fact, I'm ready for Christmas, Lord. Just bring, just bring. We need that cool weather in Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said. Amen. Hey, if you like this hot, humid weather here, we're going to pray for you after service. We need to lay hands on you. You need to be delivered. You know what I'm saying? It's, it is too hot. Too hot. Hey, all throughout history, uh, there have been famous speeches given that we still remember and quote to this day. And wherever you stand on what you believe about these people that gave these particular speeches, the content of the speech uh, has had an incredible uh, impact throughout history. When I say the line, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed, that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, we immediately think of Martin Luther King Jr. In the speech that he gave in 1963 called I Have a Dream. When I say we shall fight on the beaches, on the landing grounds, in the fields, and in the streets, we shall fight in the hills, we shall never surrender. You might immediately think of Winston Churchill, who gave this famous speech in 1940 during World War II. When I say government for the, of the people, by the people, for the people shall not perish from the earth, we might think of the Gettysburg Address given by Abraham Lincoln in 1863. When I say the only thing we had to fear is fear itself, you might think of Franklin Roosevelt's speech at his inauguration. Okay, maybe for y'all, history ain't your thing, okay? If you're not, if you're not a big history buff, okay? Let's, let's get a little less serious, okay? Maybe for you, it's not maybe... History, maybe it's movies. Where are my movie fanatics at? You just you love movies. Where are the people out that just are constantly quoting movie lines to, to each other? You talk to your family members in like movie lines from your favorite TV show. You know what I'm saying? That's how my, my family rolls. So when you hear, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to play a sound. So just, just, just be ready for it. But I just want to see where everybody's at in the room today so I can get a feel for who, who I'm talking to today. So, so when you hear this line... Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. You might hopefully think of one of the greatest movies of all time, Home Alone. Come on, hey, if you have not seen Home Alone, your one takeaway from the message today is go home and watch Home Alone. I don't even care if it's the dead of summer. I'll watch Home Alone year round. They don't even got to be Christmas time. I'm watching me some Home Alone. When you hear this line. Brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug. Hopefully you think of Chris Farley from the movie Tommy Boy. Come on, hey, if you, if you haven't seen that, it's a Christian movie. It's on Pure <laughs> Flicks. 
I promise. Go check it out. Um, <laughs> let's keep going. If Go you, come on, if you hear that line, you might think of Sylvester Stallone and Rocky II, another all-time great movie. Okay, this is, this is going to be what, this is one of my favorite movies of all time because my last name um, um, is Smalley. And so I got, said, I got this said to me all the time growing up. I mean, this was my nickname growing up. So when you hear, when you hear this line, you're killing me, Smalls. You think of one of the all-time great movies, The Sandlot. Come on, if you have not seen The Sandlot, you need to be prayed for right now. We need to, we need to pray for you. Okay, let's get a little bit more on topic here. These are our sayings from someone who said a lot of great things that we should still remember and live by today. When I say things like, God blesses those who mourn, or if a person slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. Or you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Or why worry about the speck in your neighbor's eye when you got a log in your own eye? Or do to others what you would have them do to you. All these quotes that I've just read, you've probably heard at one point in time or another in your life, whether it was in church or from someone you heard saying it. These are verses in the Bible, so we just know that, spoken by a famous person, the most famous person in all of history, and his name was Jesus. And he spoke these sayings, these verses, from a very famous portion of scripture called the Sermon on the Mount. And for the remainder of our time today, I wanna to look at four particular, just four verses. It's, it's summer series. We're taking it easy. We ain't, we ain't going through, you know, 16 verses today. We're just gonna look at four verses today, four verses today from the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gives his followers that I think are, that I think are words, especially in the day and age that we are living in today, that we need to be desperately reminded of as Christians. We're gonna be looking at Matthew chapter five, verse 13 through 16, but before we jump in, let me give you just a little bit of background on the Sermon on the Mount and why Jesus is giving this sermon to his followers. As Jesus was traveling along, it was, it was, it was very normal to have uh, crowds of people following Jesus. And so as he was traveling along, he had many people following him. So he took a seat on the side of this mountain and he, and he saw this as an opportunity to teach his followers. The Sermon on the Mount, I'm just gonna say it super plain. The Sermon on the Mount was the first church conference and Jesus was the main speaker. I'm just telling all other church conferences pale in comparison to the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus is the main speaker. How are you about to have any other church conference if Jesus is the main speaker, it's the best. Commentators actually say that this sermon wouldn't have just been a casual talk that Jesus gave. They said that he would have spoke loudly with passion and earnestness in his voice. The Sermon on the Mount in simplest terms was a sermon given to tell the followers of Jesus how to live. It's often been described as the kingdom manifesto. The sermon that Jesus gave laid out for his followers at the time how regarding Jesus as Lord of their lives and King of their lives translated into their everyday living. In other words, the Sermon on the Mount was a proclamation to the followers of Jesus at the time about how God expects us to live. The Sermon on the Mount presented to those hearing at the time a radically different way of living that would have been a total 
opposite of what they were taught in their traditions at the time. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus declares what living as kingdom of heaven people is all about. Jesus is telling his followers that when I rule your life, when I'm Lord of your life, when I sit on the throne of your heart, this is how you live. He's saying, listen, I know the world is telling you to live this way, but he says, today I'm declaring to you another way of living when you belong to my kingdom. Jesus brings the sermon, begins the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes in verses three through 12, and now in verses 13 through 16, which is what we're gonna be looking at today. He's gonna describe for us what it looks like for us to display our Christianity to the world around us. Can I just remind us before we even get started that what God has done in your life is not just about you. God did not just save you to save you. God saved you, delivered you, set you free, now to live a life that is constantly on display for the glory of God. If you're wondering today, what is my role? What's my role? What's my job? What, what, what am I supposed to do living on planet Earth today here in 2022? I want to just take a moment and remind you of what that is. And we're going to hear from Jesus in these four verses, what that looks like. And these four verses are packed full of, of great stuff. And this is, it, it goes in a lot of different directions that we're not going to have time to cover all this today, but that's why you should be a part of a small group. I only heard one amen from that. Come on, we need to remember. That's why you should be a part of a small group. Come on, amen. So you can unpack this stuff a little bit further. Let's begin reading in verse 13. I'm going to read all these verses, and then we're going to go back through, and we're going to read them together. But I want to read them to you in a couple different translations, because I think it really, these, these particular translations kind of pull it out a little bit better. So I'm, going to, I'm reading from the, the New Living Translation. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, Jesus says this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Jesus says in verse 14, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Verse 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. I wanna read this again in the message translation. This isn't necessarily a, a translation of scripture. It's kind of more of a paraphrase, kind of like a, a commentary, but I think this really pulls it out and makes this, these few verses just come alive to us. So in the message translation, it says this, let me tell you why you're here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. That's encouraging. That's just an encouraging word today. <laughs> Here's another way to put it. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. Come on, somebody. It's public as a city on a hill. 
If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm gonna hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on the hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. So Jesus starts off in verse one and he says this. He says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. He introduces these two metaphors describing what Christians are in the world. Notice Jesus isn't saying this is who you should be. He's saying this is who you are. This is not a suggestion from Jesus. He's not saying, hey, hey if you feel like it, be salt and light. If, if it just fits, it fits you, just, just be salt and light. But if you don't, that's okay. No, he's saying here emphatically, he's saying that, that you are the salt to the earth. You are the light of the world. That word you is both used here as plural and singular. So he's saying you is referring to the whole crowd of people. So he would have been looking at, I don't know how many people, he would have been looking at tons of people and he would have looked at all these people and, and said you at collectively, you together, but he would have also looked at everybody individually and he would have said you individually. He would have looked around his crowd and he would have looked at you and he would have said you are the salt of light. You are the light of the world. He would have said you as an individual. Listen, we all have a job in the world as Christians. Listen to me, Christianity is not just spectator sport. There are no bystanders in Christianity. There are no fans that just sit in the stands and watch what's happening in the world. Jesus, when he walked the earth or, or, or spoke to his disciples, he never talked about the production of secret Christians. We all have a part to play in, in, in our Christianity here on earth. Let me help us understand this a little bit better. Then we're gonna jump in and we're gonna break down what Jesus meant when he said, we're the salt of the earth and light of the world. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to God the Father and he, and he says about us that we are in, in the world, but we're not of the world. So here's kind of the premise that I wanna work from this morning. Even though we no longer belong to the world, we do have a distinct job in the world. So when God saves us, when you get saved, when you put your faith in Jesus, you no longer belong to the worldly kingdom. You belong to another kingdom. The Bible says that we are citizens of heaven. We belong to another kingdom. But Jesus is saying that even though you belong to my kingdom, you're still a part of this world and you still have a distinct job. You have a distinct role. We don't just sit and hang out until Jesus comes back. We don't just cover up until the return of Christ. We don't just sit on the bus and wait for Jesus to get on and drive us to heaven. Like, like we have a job, we have a distinct job as Christians in this world that we get to be the salt and light of this world. So Jesus says that we have a distinct job in this world as salt and light. And the first thing that we see in our text today, it's just super simple. I'm, we're gonna kind of break this down a little bit. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus tells his listeners but, that by being his followers, 
We are the salt of the earth. This might sound a little bit interesting to you if you've never been around church and you don't know what Jesus is talking about. You might already be upset and offended thinking, is Jesus calling me salty? No, Jesus is not referring, some of y'all just don't know what salty is, but some of y'all got that joke. Anyways, Jesus isn't calling us that, that kind, not that kind of salt. He's saying we're salty, but not that, kind of, not that kind of salty. Jesus is a brilliant teacher here. So I want us to see why he's saying that we are the salt of the earth. The first thing that we see is that salt has incredible value. Salt held incredible value during this time. It's actually believed that Roman soldiers during this time were sometimes paid with a bag of salt. Like, could you imagine coming to your boss after your, your day of work or whatever and, and just, you said, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm finished with work. And he said, all right, here's your pay. And he handed you a bag of salt. Like that's, they got paid in salt. Could you imagine that? Just getting a bag of salt from your boss. Here you go, take, take the bag of salt. That's, that's your payment. But we actually get this word salary, the, the, the word salarium, we actually derive the, our word salary from that term. So when Jesus is saying to his followers in verse 13 that we are the salt of the earth, listen, their ears would have perked up because salt was a big deal during this time. Salt was something of incredible value. Let me say it this way. It was a precious commodity. I know it's not to us today. I know salt is so accessible. It doesn't mean much to us today. But back then, they would have heard Jesus say, we're, we're the salt. It's salt? We're the salt of the earth? Their ears would have perked up because salt was a precious commodity. So Jesus would have been telling them that you are a valuable commodity in the earth today. Listen, I'm just gonna say something really bold, but I'm gonna say it anyways. I believe that the most valuable thing on planet earth today are Christians. I believe the most needed thing in our world today are Christians. Come on, I better get a couple more amens than that. Listen, not because you and I in and of ourselves are anything special, but because of who we are in Christ and who lives and dwells on the inside of us. Listen, you're a valuable part of the earth because wherever you go, you carry the spirit of the living God. Wherever you walk, you have the hope of the world on the inside of you. Wherever you go, you walk as a son and daughter of the most high God. You're a valuable, listen to this, you're a valuable commodity at your workplace. You're a valuable commodity in your neighborhood. You're a valuable commodity at your school. You're a valuable commodity and your members of the military. Listen, your boss might not see you that way. Your supervisor might not see you that way. Your coach might not see you that way. But listen, God sees you that way. Come on, you're, we're, we're a valuable part of the, I think we need to understand, we need to get that. We need to understand, man, that you should walk into work tomorrow different. You should walk wherever, wherever God's taking, you should walk in there different. You should walk in there confident. You should walk in there with your shoulders back and your head held high. Not because you're some big special person, but because the God of heaven and earth put his spirit on the inside of you. And, and, and listen, we are carriers of that. Wherever we go, we're, we add value. Every, every environment that we're a part of as Christians, we add value to it. Just because of who we are in Christ. So when Jesus says that we are the salt of the earth, he's saying we're valuable in the earth, but there's also some distinctive qualities about salt that I think we really need to understand that will help us make sense of this. Salt, and one, one thing that salt does is salt acts as a preservative. Salt was probably used most during this time to preserve food. This 
was a day and age that, man, they, they didn't have refrigerators. You know what I'm saying? We, 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 we can keep everything nice and cold. We got freezers. We got all kinds of stuff to preserve our meat. Some of you, you got, you got two refrigerators in your house. You got a deep freezer in the garage. They did, you, we got all kinds of that stuff to preserve our food. They didn't have that back then. They didn't, they didn't have a little thing called electricity. You know, so they, they, just, they didn't have that. So they relied heavily on salt to preserve their food. And what salt does is salt stops food from going bad. It, it, it slows down the decaying process. And listen, our world, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but our world is going bad. Like it, it just is. It, it, that's no, I'm, I'm sure that's not a shocking statement to anybody, but our world is just going crazy today. Our, our world is going bad today. And it will, listen, it will continue to go bad and continue to decay because of sin. But as Christians, we act like salt in the world. We help slow things down. We help preserve things. We help things from, from stop from getting worse. As Christians, we play our part to stop injustice in the world. We say, hey, this, this, this goes no further. So we stand up and we fight and we speak out. We preserve the, come on somebody, we preserve the truth of God's word. We are preservers of the truth of God's word and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're preservers of his word. We fight to preserve unity. We stand up against things like human trafficking. We stand up against racism and hate in our world. And we say as believers, this goes no further. There was a recent decision that was made in our country that has left some happy, some celebrating, some very mad, some confused. And listen, while we celebrate the, protect, the protection of unborn lives, listen to me, church, listen. We need to lead now more than ever with grace, with humility, with love first. Listen, we are not a stone-throwing church. We do not throw stones at people. We don't rub stuff in people's faces. I wanna encourage you in your posting, in your conversations, in everything you do, please, please, please take the position of Jesus and, and, and lead in a way that is loving and it's not divisive. And we as a church, we're gonna step up and we need to get involved as believers with the decision that's been made. We need to get involved now more than ever we need to step up and we need to see this as an opportunity to serve our people and humanity. Salt also acts as a healing agent. Salt acts as a natural antiseptic. And I think this just ties right into that last, that last, that last one with salt being a preservative. Salt was used to heal wounds. And how many people know today our world needs healing? Our world needs healing. So many people are hurting right now. So many people are broken right now. Jesus is saying that, that you and I act as he, by being salt, we act as healing agents in the world today. That means that we sit with the brokenhearted. That means we pray with those are, that are hurting. That means that we carry each other's burdens. That means we cry with those who cry and we mourn with those who mourn. There are deep wounds in our country right now and our, our world needs us to act as a, he, as a healing agent. My favorite thing that salt does though is, is salt adds flavor. Oh, come on somebody. Uh, salt adds flavor. Where are my salt lovers at? Okay, you, I don't know, maybe, maybe you've had this said about you. Do, you. do you want some food with that salt? 
you know what I'm saying? Because you just you dump all kinds of salt on there. And the minute you get your food, you, you say, pass the salt. You don't even need to taste it. You just, say, you just say, pass the salt. Why? Because salt will always make your food taste better. Come on, it brings out the flavor. I'm from Iowa and like 95% of Iowa is made up of corn, okay? So I love corn. I, I love corn on the cob. Man, you, you have never had, no, you, you need to come to Iowa sometime. You need to get yourself some corn on the cob. Let me tell you how we do it in Iowa, in Iowa man. Corn, corn in itself, if you eat it, it's kind of, the corn on the cob, it's kind of bland. It's not, I mean, it's, it's okay, but it's not great. It's just kind of bland. But let me tell you, we, we get us a tub of butter. Come, come on now. And, and, then we put our, and then we put our hand in a Ziploc baggie. You know what I'm saying? And then we dip it in the butter and we just, we you just load the corn on the cob up with a lot of butter. And then, and then we take, and I just get like, some of y'all take your food like this to watch how much salt you spread. I just, I don't even do that. I just dump all over the place. You just fill the thing with salt because when you add salt to stuff, it makes it taste better. It, it enhances the flavor. And when Jesus said we're the salt of the earth, he's saying that, that we enhance the flavor of the earth. In other words, we bring out the God flavors of the earth. Listen, we enhance environments. We, are, we enhance the flavor of environments that we're a part of. Listen to me, your work should be a better place to work because you're at it. Your neighborhood should be a better place to live in because you live there. Your school should be a better place to go to because you're there. The grocery store should be more enjoyable because you're shopping there. Come on, the DMV. I don't know about that one. We, we need a, an excuse from that one. You know what I'm saying? Clarksville, Tennessee. Come on, or wherever you're watching that online. Come on. It should, our community should be a better place because a bunch of Christians live there. And that's what we do. We enhance the flavor of our environments. We bring out the God. Listen, Christians don't show up and make things worse. Come on, don't, don't be somebody that people want to walk away from when you walk into the room. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just, you know those people that walk in the room, you're like, I got a call, I got a text, I got, I got to get home and mow the grass, I got to do, I got to, got to do something, I don't know, I got to get out of here. We don't want to be those people when somebody sees us coming and goes the other direction. We want to be the person when, that when you show up in the room, people thank God, thank God you're here. People should say that as Christians, we're like salt on food. Come on, somebody, we just make things better. We make things better. We, let me give you just a couple quick practical ways to do this. We, we, we extend grace. We extend grace to people. Man, we live in a graceless world today. We live in a world today that, that when somebody messes up or makes a mistake, we want to cancel them, write them off, done with them. But what we should do as Christians is God has extended us this amazing grace. Come on, we should be extenders of that same grace that we have received from God to others. Listen, be kind, be kind. Meanness is not a fruit of the spirit. Meanness is not a fruit of the spirit, kindness is. Don't be a mean Christian. You can't say you love Jesus and then treat people like garbage. If you love Jesus, sometimes you gotta, you gotta remind your attitude. Listen, use your words for good. My goodness, every time you get around people, they should leave encouraged. Don't leave people feeling heavy. Be a fresh air friend. When people hang around you, they should say, every time I get around you, it's like a breath of fresh air. Proverbs 12, 25 says, worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word 
cheers the person up. Man, there's so many people in our world today that are weighed down with anxiety and fear and worry, and you have no idea what the power of a word could do for someone. Proverbs 18, this ain't just positivity. Proverbs 18, 21 says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. So when you realize our words carry power, this is another good thing, just be a blessing to someone. Just be a blessing, it's 450 degrees outside here in Clarksville. <laughs> Take your neighbor kids some popsicles, you know what I'm saying? Buy somebody coffee behind you in line. Man, that always feels good. If you've been on the receiving end of somebody just saying, hey, I got the person behind. Man, that just, that just, you bring out the God flavor. You hear what I'm saying? You bring out the God flavor in the earth. Buy, pay for somebody's meal. Be a blessing. Serve someone on serve day. Serve someone on serve day. July 16th. Come on, I want to call our whole church forward in that. If you, if you ain't traveling out of town on vacation, let's flood the city of Clarksville with as many red serve t-shirts as we can. And let's shine the light and the love of Jesus to as many people as we can. Let's be a blessing to our community. Come on, somebody. Man, we have our team out there. They got tons of projects and things that we can get involved in. You find an elderly couple in your neighborhood and serve them. Mow somebody's grass, paint a widow's fence, make some sandwiches and feed, feed the home. I don't know. But be a blessing. Be a blessing to people. Jesus says at the end of this verse, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? How can, can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot is worthless. Jesus is saying that if we aren't, listen, salt Salt changes environments that it's a part of. When salt touches something, that environment doesn't change the salt. The salt changes the environment. So when we show up, Jesus is saying we're like the salt of the earth because when we show up places, when we go places, environments don't have an impact on us. Come on, church, we have an impact on the environments that we're a part of. We don't, we don't live like ther uh, thermometer Christians. Come on, we live like thermostat. We set the temperature, come on, of environments that we're a part of. Because we're the, we're the salt of the earth. We're the salt of the earth. So Jesus tells his followers, you're the salt of the earth, but, but that's not the only metaphor that he used. He also says, you are the light of the world. My goodness, how many, our world is in desperate need of some light. This is a big statement for Jesus to make. Salt was a really important thing that he said, but saying that we're light, that's a whole other thing. So when Jesus said that you are the light of the world, his disciples' ears would have perked up again because they would have thought, man, we're the light of the world? Are you kidding me? During this time, this was a fascinating statement for Jesus to make because during this time, only prominent rabbis and teachers would have received this title of being light. They would have, they would have referred to rabbi so-and-so as lamps or lights in the universe, but Jesus looks at this group of people who were not predominant in society at all. They were average ordinary, everyday, smelly fishermen. And he says to them, you are the light of the world. Nowhere else in scripture do we see Jesus refer to himself as salt, but two times Jesus refers to himself as light in John 8, 12 and John 9, 5. So Jesus is actually making this bold statement when he says, I am the light of the world. Now he's looking at you and I today. He's looking, he's looking at his disciples. He's saying, just like I shined the light in this world, Jesus is saying, now I want you to shine this light in the world. Jesus is making this again very personal for us by saying you are the light of the world. In other words, Jesus is telling his followers and his listeners during this time that there isn't another light that Jesus is shining. 
except through us. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to send an angel down from heaven to help you shine this light. I'm going to come down and, and, and visibly make myself known on the earth. And, and so that everybody, Jesus could do that if he wants to, but he, gave, he gives us this awesome responsibility. He says, you now are the light. We have the responsibility now to shine the light of Jesus in our world today. Ephesians 5.8 says, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have Receive light from the Lord. So live as people of light. Light gives guidance. That's one of the first things light does. We don't really understand utter darkness in our world today. We have so much artificial lighting. For the most part, we can see our way around at any given time. But back during this time, they relied heavily on light to find their way around, to give guidance. And I'm just telling you today, our world is dark and, and, and I'm just telling you, it's dark and people are walking around, they're stumbling around, they're, they're lost in despair and hopelessness. And guess what we have the awesome privilege and job of doing for people. We have the awesome privilege of turning the light on for people. Come on, somebody. We get to shine as the light, as a light of, as Christians that help, their, help people find their way back to God. We get to help people find hope when it's hopeless. We get to help people find peace in the midst of chaos. When people are lost and confused and searching for something more. When people are tired of doing it their own way. When they come to the end of themselves, which I believe, contrary to popular opinion, people all over the world today, I believe, are searching and they're empty and they have this hole that they're looking to fill. They just don't know what it is yet. And we get the awesome opportunity to guide people back to God. We get to show them a better way, a way to true hope and a way to true satisfaction and a way to, tr we get to say things like, hey, let's grab coffee this week and talk. Hey, I, hey, I know you're, you're really troubled right now, but let's, can we grab coffee sometime and talk? We get, we get to invite people over to our small groups. Come on, somebody, small groups again. I didn't hear many amens, but I just, small, we get to invite people into our small groups. We get to invite people over to the house for dinner. We get to shine a light in a way that guides people back to God. Light, light is also very attractive. Jesus uses this other metaphor when he's talking about light and he speaks of a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. There was this massive mountain behind, or city behind the mountain that Jesus was speaking on. And he would have turned, Jesus would have turned around during this moment and he would have pointed to that city that's on the hill and he would have said, like this city on a hill that cannot be hidden, that's so attractive that people can't help but notice and be drawn to it. Shine like that city. I look at the life of Jesus all throughout the gospels, wherever he went, people were just attracted to him. Crowds of people followed him. People were drawn to him because of the, he lived a different way than the culture was demanding. People saw the way he treated people, the way he served people, the way he loved people. He shined a light that was so attractive. And we shine a light as Christians in a way that makes us stand out. People should look at the way we live our lives and they should see something different about us. They should hear us the way we talk. And sometimes we need, we need to be careful the way that we're talking around people sometimes because, because people are going to look at us and they're going to decide whether we are true representations of, of the God that we serve. So we, we carry ourselves in a different way. We live lives that are attracted to people. People should wonder why there's a bunch of red shirts all over Clarksville, picking up trash on the side, of, serving in neighborhoods. We get to shine the light of Jesus that makes it attractive for people. Light expels darkness. When, you, when, you, when you're in a room and it's dark and you, you turn on a light, the, the, the darkness get, drives out of the room. 
And as Christians, we shine a light that drives out the darkness in our world. John 1.5 says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never expel it. That's why I love Convoy of, what Convoy of Hope is doing. They're sending food into a very dark area right now. They're driving out darkness. When we go into our communities on serve day, we're shining the light of Jesus and we're driving out darkness. That's why I, I love all the missions trips too. Areas that we're sending people in the world, very dark areas in the world where we're, we're sending people out there to shine the light of Jesus. My wife and I are leading a trip to Stockholm, Sweden in November this year. And if you've never been on a missions trip, I invite you to come with us. We're going to a very dark area in, in, in Sweden. We get to shine the light of Jesus to people that need to see the light of Jesus. Church, listen, light works best in darkness. Light does its best work in dark times. I keep hearing people say, man, we're living in some dark times. And you know what I say? Yes, that's true, but what an opportunity we have as the church of Jesus Christ to shine the light of Jesus in our communities, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. What an opportunity we have as Christians to be light shining in the darkness. Verse 15, Jesus says, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket and set a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to the whole house. In, in plain terms, Jesus is saying, why would, you, why, would, why would you light a lamp and hide it? That doesn't make any sense. And I think Jesus would say that you're the light for people to be drawn to me, to come to know me. Why would we hide our light? We're called to shine our light as Christians. So we see what salt is and what light is and what that looks like. And now Jesus ends by saying this. He says, so let your good deeds shine. And I say to us as a church today, let's let our good deeds shine. Verse 16 says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Notice Notice Jesus doesn't, he doesn't say, let your good, I know this is kind of pulling out of the text here a little bit, but Jesus doesn't say, let your good posting on Facebook shine. He doesn't even say, let your good arguing with people shine. He doesn't even say, let your good preaching shine, which that's a great thing to do. We need to continue to preach the gospel. What Jesus says is he says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Listen, church, our world needs to see a different way. Our world doesn't need to just hear about a different way. They need to see a different way. Listen, Christianity is not just lip service. I know we've been in the book of Acts and we've been talking a lot about sharing the gospel, and that's great, and I believe we're going to continue to do that, and God will give us opportunities to do that. But I've also heard it said before to preach the gospel and, when necessary, use words. Meaning, people should know that we're Christians by seeing how we live and not just by hearing what we say. A little less talk and a lot more action. Come on, somebody. Listen, we let our good deeds shine out for all to see so that, listen, so that people may glorify God. That's why we do it. We, we, we don't do it, don't get it twisted. We don't do it so people are like, oh my gosh, they're such a great person. We do it, we shine our good deeds for all to see so that people may see and glorify God. Listen, serving people on serve day isn't about making life point look good. It's about making God look good. It's not about making life point church famous, it's about making God famous. 
This isn't even about a one-time event. Pastor Christian reminded me this week, he said, this isn't just a one-time event. Sir. It's just not something we do on a quarterly basis. This is, this is a way we live our lives every single day. We love people, we serve people, we're generous with people. We shine our light so that people may glorify God. And I just wanna close by asking us this, how are we doing with that? How, how maybe are you doing with that? I'm not trying to preach at anybody today. This is a message that I need to, we all need to live out ourselves. I wanna ask these couple questions and then we're gonna pray and close. If how you lived your life was the only picture of God that people saw, what would they say? If someone watched your life and gathered conclusions about the God you serve, would they say, what would they say? Would they worship him or not want anything to do with him? Brennan Manning says the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. So come on church, let's be the church this week. Let's shine the light of Jesus this week. I pray that we would own this massive responsibility to be salt and light in our world today. Hey, before we close, I wanna make this as an opportunity with nobody else moving around really quick. I wanna pray. There's some people that you're here today and maybe you're like, I don't know what brought me here. Somebody invited me here. I, I, I'm back in church because I need, I need Jesus to do something in my life. If you're here today and you've maybe, maybe you've walked away from Jesus, maybe you've walked away from God and today you're back here and you say, hey, I wanna make, make a commitment to follow Jesus. I wanna dedicate my life. Maybe you've never made that decision before and you wanna do that. If you're here today, you've never made that decision before, you'd like to make that decision today. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to do anything weird. I just want to pray for you. If you're here today and that's you with nobody looking around, I'm not going to make you feel weird, but if that's you today, would you just raise your hand at me so that I can pray for you? Hey, can we as a church just open our hands before the Lord right now? God, we thank you so much for who you are. Lord, thank you that you have called us. You've given us the great responsibility, God, to be the salt earth and the light in the world, Lord, I pray that we would take this huge responsibility out these doors today and we would be salt and light in our community, God, that we would love people, serve people, that we would shine a light in a way that makes people not think we're great, but makes people glorify you. Lord, use us as your people. God, we love you. We thank you for all that you're doing in and through us. In Jesus' name.